Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Reception Perception, the show. Now, James Cole and Matt Harmon. I want to talk about Gabe Davis, man. He absolutely went <laughs> crazy last week. I mean, it was just spectacular. You know, three grabs for 171, including a 98-yarder right off the jump. And if you played Gabe Davis, you're just absolutely loving life. But can Gabe Davis... Can he continue to do this? This is unbelievable efficiency right now. And for my money, it's just, it'd be like almost historic for him to be able to keep up this pace. I guess I just don't see it, but am I not seeing something here in this Buffalo offense? And Alex, we'll start with you. Oh man, you've grown to me instead of the expert. That's a, that's a good uh, option there. <laughs> I'm with you though, James. I'm a, I'm a skeptic on this. Like that performance was fantastic from Davis, but You look at his numbers, and I think it's over the past like eight or nine games for him dating back to last year. Obviously, he's scoring a touchdown in like a third of his catches, but you have to feel like over a larger sample size and in an offense as loaded with weapons as Buffalo is. I mean, we saw Khalil Shakir get into the action, and they've still got Dawson Knox, who's been kind of quiet, and McKenzie, and of course Diggs, who's going to eat. Like, they feel like there's going to be too many, you know, zero or, or bust weeks where where Davis is you know he's got this ceiling and he's got the potential he's got the ability and and obviously the quarterback with an absolute cannon of an arm who can put it you know through a keyhole across the field but I just I just have trust issues I don't know maybe I'm crazy Matt talk us off the ledge yeah uh, I said this a lot during the during the preseason the fantasy draft season that I was kind of a Gabe Davis centrist uh, during the great like wars you know in the offseason like there were the the extremists <laughs> right. on both sides um, you know, there were the extreme Gabe Davis bros, like my buddy Dalton Del Don, who, you know, I got to argue with him about him outscoring Mike <laughs> Evans this season. We have a lunch bet on that. But then there's okay. you know, the extremists on the other side that are like, oh, no, Gabe Davis sucks and you can't draft him, whatever. I, I came down somewhere kind of in the middle on that. And, you know, I really feel like when you look at Gabe Davis and the, and the volume from last week, like my whole analysis this this offseason was what I know for sure about Buffalo is that it's just going to be more Steph Diggs this year. And he's like a 30% target share player in uh, week five against the Steelers. He's pretty much been there throughout the entire season. He's he's been a he's been a baller. He's been a monster. Right. I think I still have him second among wide receivers in rest of season rankings behind only Cooper Cup. Um, so that that turned out to be true. But you know, I get your guys's point about Gabe Davis and the volume concerns, but you know, I'm going to use Jacoby Myers as an example. And I'm a, I'm a Jacoby Myers fanboy. Like I'm, I love Jacoby Myers, but you know, he's getting like 30% of the targets in the Patriots offense. 
I know that we're like trained. Our brain is wired to be like, I want the target share. I want the targets. I want the volume. I would rather have a 16, 17% target share of the bills offense. Like that Gabe Davis <laughs> is going to get than right. um, than a guy like Jacoby Myers. And, you know, you just look at the way that Gabe Davis made plays against the, against the damn Sears. I mean, you're right. Like he's an, he's a 98 yard touchdown on a vertical route before I even got home from tape and FFL in the morning. Right. Like I, I pull up to the house. So damn, Gabe Davis already is already breaking the model. Right. So, but the thing with Gabe Davis now is that he's healthy, like leading into right. this, this week he got a full practice load, which was not the case prior. So there's going to be volatility. There's going to be ups and downs with Gabe Davis. But James, the player I compared him to all offseason was Devontae Parker. Like I think he's going to be that type of vertical guy who, you know, his best routes are the nine in the corner, the vertical stuff in reception perception, not like a legit alpha level separator, but a guy that can win contested, a guy that can burn downfield. And like, you know, if you're telling me that I could get a prime, not this version of Devontae Parker, but like prime Devontae Parker in Josh Allen's Buffalo Bills offense, I'll still take that uh, as a you know boom-bust wide receiver too. Yeah, according to uh, reception perception metrics here, you, you talk about a 75% success rate on the corner route and a 67% success rate on the nine. He ranked 10th overall on success rate on the nine and 13th overall on the corner. So it really lets you know um, this guy does well on vertical routes, Matt. Yes, that's that's really kind of all he excels at still, in my opinion, besides winning <laughs> right. contested. Um, but again, there's huge value in that. Like the problem with a guy like Gabe Davis and almost all wide receivers really are like this. And I think that this year I feel like there's been more bitching about like slow games for wide receivers than ever before. It's like, guys, have you ever played this game before? And especially now more than ever, like <laughs> wide receivers are going to be up played. and down. Like everybody, everybody has a two catch floor. like Mike Williams can go out there in week one and give you two catches and then turn around the next week and go a hundred yards and a touchdown. Right. Like, right. and I feel like Gabe Davis is going to be an extreme version of that, but how do you ever put the, put the upside, the ceiling case on your bench. Like, obviously you kind of want some other safer players around Gabe Davis, but I'm going to just say that you should probably play him every single week because this is the potential. This is the potential that you're leaving on your bench if you don't play him. So Gabe Davis uh, in his two healthy games, I think week one, he, he was obviously healthy week um, five. He was healthy, right? You talk about that ankle issue he had been dealing with uh, in the middle portion there in those two games, he's averaging three and a half receptions on five and a half targets. It's resulted in a, in 129.5 yards per game <laughs> over those two games and three touchdowns, yeah, three insane. touchdowns on just three <laughs> on three and a half catches per game, bruh. Like what? That is just unbelievable and you know what he takes on kansas city this week yeah he takes on kansas city i mean absolutely torched him last year as well so i don't know i i i'm torn on it man like he's breaking he's breaking the mold he is absolutely breaking the mold and it's it's yeah i don't know what i to mean think about james it. just to poke a minor hole in that though in week three or whatever against miami when buffalo ran their ridiculous 92 plays gabe right. davis played 88 of those plays uh, he played more than Steph Diggs in that Miami Heat, and he came out with three for 37 and only six targets still despite 92 plays. So I guess right. that's just what Matt was talking about, that variance, though. Like, it's going to be there with him. Uh, I think it just is good for fantasy purposes. It's going to depend on what your, like, roster construction looks like. If you're going to be, you know, trotting out, I don't know, 
Garrett Wilson over Gabe Davis. Yeah, I'm probably oh, yeah, going to no. go with Gabe Davis. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, if it's like a Gabe Davis or Amon Ross St. Brown, the sun god, like I might be going for, you know, St. Brown. Is he going to have as much distance on his, on his you know, air yards on his throws and have that big of a ceiling? Probably not, but dude's going to get eight catches. So uh, to Matt's point here, uh, Gabe Davis, a 64% success rate versus man in uh, 2021 charting 75% uh, against success rate on zone. Both were obviously below average. And I think when we start talking about uh, Matt earning those targets, I, I think those numbers would suggest that he's not a guy that is going to go out there and earn a huge target share. Yeah. You don't funnel 150 targets to a player like this. Right. I, I, even in my projections this year, I had him right around like a hundred. And I think that's probably, you know, but the injury might bump off that pace at, at certain points, right. but I feel like that's probably where he's going to finish, you know, right around a hundred, 110, something like that. And again, I, I will take a hundred targets in the Bills offense over a hundred and twenty in a different <laughs> offense. You know, that's a good point. typically again, it, it does kind of break the brain a little bit because we've been so, you know, indoctrinated into the target share church, target share yes. church, and all that type of stuff. Which is again <laughs> usually the right way to play it, but sometimes there are special circumstances. I think this Bills offense is a special circumstance. That that being said, though, you know, don't also discount guys like Isaiah McKenzie, who I think can play and is going to be back this week coming out of a concussion. You know, even Khalil Shakir. I love Khalil Shakir. Big fan of him as a prospect coming in. You know, I think he showed really, really well in that game against the Steelers. He caught a touchdown, was basically the number three receiver. You know, these guys are all going to matter because this offense is that good. Um, And, you know, Josh Allen is a is a full on talent elevator at this point. So keep these guys on your radar for sure. Um, but for now I do think, you know, it's just going to be tough to, to not play Gabe Davis and you're just going to have to live with the fact that he's going to give you, eventually he's going to give you a three for 33 game when he's right. fully healthy, no injury report to speak of, and you're just going to have to be okay with it. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to move on and talk about uh, someone who is much smaller in stature. We're talking about Rondale Moore there in Arizona. And I love his 2021 profile that you wrote for the the website, receptionperception.com. You said, quote, it's the weirdest in series history, his reception reception profile. So talk us through it. What what did you see there in 2021 from Rondale Moore? And and again, I kind of just visually didn't chart obviously that's not my role but just visually I look at Rondell Moore from last week and I said okay he actually looks more of like a real receiver there in week number five am I are, are my eyes tricking me here or what did you see from Rondell Moore 2021 versus what we saw last week yeah so I'll read off some of the weird points uh from last year because it is it is a very very weird profile um in 2021 as a rookie Rondell Moore ran a screen on 29.9 percent of his sample routes that is the most in RP history by a country mile the previous high mark was Debo Samuel at 18 percent in an injury wrecked 2020 season um you know the next highest guy is a bird alert baby a, a, an old favorite of ours 14.8 percent <laughs> in 2018 in a in a partial sample but that's still like a 50 percent drop off 
from what Rondale Moore did as a rookie. Ran against zone coverage on 89% of his routes. Um, he was lined up in the backfield um, on 18.2% of um, of his snaps in, in reception perception, which, yeah, that was the highest in RP history. So, I mean, basically he played like fake receiver in year one. Um, you know, these two games so far, we've actually seen two different plans for him. So against the Carolina Panthers, he actually ran a, a good bit outside because A.J. Green was hurt, so he was the right. two two receiver set guy with him and Marquise Brown. Um, but, like, my God, dude, you, you see, watch Rondell Moore run, like, go routes against perimeter corners, and nope. No, no. thanks. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's too no. small. He's not as fast as you think. He's not as quick as you think, and he's right. just not there from a technical perspective. So he's certainly playing more real receiver this year. Like, his screen route rate um, over these two games that I just sampled – because James was late, I was able to do do a little more work. He's at like ten point ten point six percent, you know. So yeah, um, that's that's a little bit better. Go route rate at nineteen point seven percent, but you know he's still running a flat route on twenty four percent of his routes the past two weeks. So it's a lot of short a dot stuff, that, and that's where he went back to once AJ, AJ Green was back um, against the Eagles. So I don't know, man. I I think he's just kind of a. Um, I think he's more like James White, you know, like he's more like a a, a receiving yeah, running James back. James White, he's a receiving running back. Good lord! Look I at him. Say when at, you yeah. yeah, when you look at his his like targeted air yards, even in his good last week, he only had like six point seven percent of the air yards. That's that's a running back number catching screens, little you know, being the check down out of the backfield. I'd be curious for Matt though, like, do you see in a different offense, or could he be utilized differently? Could he be like a like a, a Randall Cobb or a Wes Welker type, where if you get him on more like slot choice routes, maybe some drags and crossers, you get him generate space for him a little deeper down the field. It could be more dangerous. Is cliff limiting him? Like what's, what's the situation? Well, I mean, dude, Mark? cliff cliff <laughs> yeah. for sure. Limits <laughs> God um, limits everything. But Jesus. yeah, two, 2.3 uh, air yards per target for Rondo Moore last week. That, that is that's like good. That's a like great running back air yard per target for sure. But still, it is it is running back ish. You know, I, Alex, I think it's a good question because he certainly isn't. You know, the work the problem is just any sort of physicality. It's over, right? Like even running in, like in zone coverage, he's going to get just completely toast if he has to run. You know, in the same vicinity as somebody. So. I, d- I think he's a gadget player. I mean, maybe in in the okay. right offense, he could be like a Randall Cobb type guy. But I'm I'm curious. What do you guys think? Like this offense looks like when deandre hopkins comes back because they are they're not i don't think they're a very good offense like they're not going to be that team this year right i i don't think based on the way they've started and then you're looking at you know like deandre hopkins is going to come back i think he's probably going to play on the perimeter we we expect that and does that leave marquise brown to do you know the, the role that he's had so far and brown's been awesome you know we talked about that with zach on the last episode he's been fantastic this year I think Rondell Moore can line up as the slot receiver, but they've still got Zach Ertz. You know, they've got, you know, Benjamin kind of popping up in the backfield now at this mm-hmm. point. Um, you know, James Conner, no surprise, is, you know, sort of starting to wear down. I just don't know that a guy like this needs a ton of volume to be like legit on the fantasy radar. And I don't know that we're ever going to see him get a ton, a ton of volume. Sure. I don't know what to think about when new Hopkins come back, comes back because like, uh, Hollywood Brown has sort of fallen into that old uh, target funnel role from when Nuke was there with Kyler. And obviously those two, uh, Kyler and uh, Hollywood, have their old connection from college. But it, I would like to be optimistic about Nuke Hopkins returning. 
but I fear that it might just, you know, throw a stick into the spokes of the already rickety tire of the Cardinals offense and derail the whole thing. I just, I don't, I don't have a vision for how it's going to work out because I don't see a clear vision or plan with this Cardinals offense week to week for the most part, but I'm also not, you know, diving deep uh, every every weekend and every Tuesday in the Cardinals All-22 film. But, like, every time I watch part <laughs> of one of their games or I watch highlights, I'm like, what is what is, what is is going on here? What is the plan? I don't think there is a plan. Um, and I and I think I think it is a fair criticism to say that maybe Kyler is also coming in a little bit underprepared as well. Um, and, and really the offense to me in Arizona looks really – I mean, again, it's kind of like the old school, like Seahawks offense. And I'm using air quotes where a lot of it is just, okay, Kyler, go make a play. You know, we're going to play a little backyard football, by the way, Nuke Hopkins really excels there, you know, um, yeah. on a broken play. I think Nuke really does a good job, uh, either getting upfield or finding a space in the zone, whatever it is. Um, I think he does a pretty good job of shaking free. So I think that will help Kyler quite a bit. Uh, you talk about roles. I think everyone just slides into a more natural role. Um, I think Nuke is going to be your ex. And then I think Marquise Brown slides into a, a much more comfortable, you know, um, outside wide receiver, but a number two. Um, and then, you know, what, let's see what happens with Rondale Moore. I think he could play slot. And by the way, Arizona, they're not shy about using four pass catchers. So if Zach Ertz then slides into the other slot role, then, then there he goes, you know? So I don't know. I, I actually kind of sort of think Nuke kind of brings – everyone into their more natural positions. What I had brought up in the previous podcast still holds though, Matt, where I do have concerns about nuke the player because he's a little bit older. I wonder about the athleticism. The RP data shows that there's been a little bit of slippage too. Mm -hmm. So I think nuke as the player is a little bit concerning, concerning, but I think he does help everyone get back into their more natural fit into that offense. And I know nobody wants to say it, but what if AJ Green still has a role on no. this team? Oh God! Even no. When, oh well, no. You say that though, James. <laughs> but you know, no. I'm just talking about he's go. He goes and lines up outside because we have we have seen that. Right? The fact that the fact that yeah. Cliff Kingsbury even you know put Rondo Moore on the outside that was like. Ooh, Cliff getting spicy here from a deployment <laughs> perspective, putting some guy who doesn't normally play in a spot in a spot, right? Um, right? But, you know, you look at Kyler Murray right now, 6.15 air yards per attempt. The only two guys in the NFL, he's in the Matt Ryan zone, right? He's in the mm. Daniel Jones zone in the NFL. Kirk Cousins down there at the bottom of the league. So, oh boy. I do think, though, if you have, like, I'll paint this picture for you. If you have, DeAndre Hopkins on, and we know he's only going to stay on one side of the field when he gets back. He'll be on that left wide receiver spot. Um, You know, AJ Green at the right wide receiver. Rondell Moore is your, you know, fake receiver, slot receiver. And then uh, Marquise Brown is your vertical slot guy with the position that Christian Kirk played for this team Ah, last year. I actually think that could help unlock the vertical game, both for Hopkins and for um, Marquise Brown. And then, you know, Zach Ertz, they can put him at tight. You know, they go four verts, all that type of stuff, whatever. They've certainly done a lot of four wide stuff throughout the course of the Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury era. So I think that's like, we're going to get, you know, this is obviously crutch analysis, you know, no, no kidding. This is what's going to happen. Like we'll know a lot more after the first game, like based on where those guys line up, how we can project all these players going forward. So Matt, you, you raise a good point there, but it reminded me when I was uh, looking at Marquise Brown stuff, thinking about writing him up for the notebook, I was pulling up the great, you know, next gen stats charts where they have their route distribution from the targets they received, uh, whether they were catches or not. And, Hollywood Brown has been playing a lot on the left side for this offense, which is partially why, you know, 
when we think about New Hopkins coming back, as he said, he's going to slot into the left side. That's going to, is that going to disrupt the chemistry that Kyler and, and uh, Hollywood Brown have been building all year? Because he's had some games where he's crushed it, but a lot of his good uh, catches, his touchdowns, his yak opportunities, even his deep shots have been coming from that left position. And now he's going to be thrown to the opposite side of the field or in the slot. And I just wonder how that's going to play out with this offense that we said earlier. Do we, do we need Doesn't to start a narrative? A do we need to start a narrative about Kyler that he can only throw like to his, to his left? <laughs> the, Mitch, the, Mitch, the Mitch Trubisky. He's yeah. The, the anti anti Mitch, like he can only throw to his left. Like Mitch couldn't throw to couldn't his throw, left. Right. That's what like it was. Zach was Zach Wilson. Now I think people are starting to like, can Zach Wilson throw to his left? Is he an ambiturn or, you know, he's not an ambiturn or whatever, but like, oh, man. no, no, maybe, maybe Kyler can only do the, like, cause whenever nuke leaves this offense usually it goes to absolute hell um and maybe because mark and maybe it's not very they're not a good team so you know you can still apply that theory but yeah i don't know man maybe maybe we need to start thinking about that that is interesting oh my gosh i would love to see it i i never thought about marquise brown sliding to that stretch slot role that christian kirk played but you know what that actually makes way more sense great zone uh, beater me. i like that yeah. idea i love we'll that see idea. if we'll see if That's cliff cool. has the same idea Probably uh, Cliff, not. Cliff's not returning uh, any of my calls, so yeah, right, you know, right, I'm right, shocked. Right. <clears throat> yeah, in his go. big mansion there.